Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. There were a little bit of technical difficulties, which means that I have recorded this whole podcast and then my editing software decided to say, nope, sorry, buddy. So what's going to happen? I want to make sure that this episode gets out to you because we are going to talk about a very complicated multi-layered topic that I think is incredibly important. And that topic is diet culture, the thin ideal and self-objectification. And that means that I am going to do my best to get this episode out there, even if it's not perfect. And I think this is a great lesson for us all because we often will hold ourselves back from putting something out there or doing something or just getting something done because we're worried that it's not going to be perfect. And I am very much a believer in better done than perfect. And so we're just going to go for it. And I'm probably going to screw up my delivery in part of this podcast. And often I'm able to edit that out. And this time we're not going to do it. We're just going to go for it. And I'm going to invite you to join me for this ride into imperfection and also to dive into diet culture and how to untangle your personal beliefs from diet culture narrative. And so a bit of my story, I didn't have TV growing up. My dad actually told me from a very young age that TV would make my eyes turn square, which luckily I never believed, but that just shows you how anti-TV he was. So I used to sneak into our guest house to watch the one television that we had that had cable. And I would watch like TRL, MTV, um, the VH1 pop-up videos. I loved the real world. And looking back, I realized all of the girls were skinny. All of the girls were sort of traditionally attractive and they didn't look like me. The first time that I was told that I needed to diet to change my body, I was 11 years old. It was by my vaulting coach. So vaulting is, is essentially gymnastics on horseback, um, which sounds, you might be like, wow. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it, but I was told that I needed to lose weight in order to be better. And the first time I actually realized that I didn't have to diet or I didn't have to change my body, I was like 30 years old. So that's almost two full decades of believing that life would be somehow better. I would be more more popular, more attractive, et cetera, when my body was smaller. And this overarching belief that life is better thin is the main premise of diet culture and the thin ideal. And I remember when I was younger, going to the grocery store, seeing magazines. I remember I loved Seventeen Magazine and Allure. And always, of course, on the cover, women that were tall, slim, looked like they had these amazing lives. Sometimes they had a boy with them on the cover and the boy was like, oh my gosh, so hot. None of the models were short. None of them had curvy bodies. None of them had fucked up teeth. None of them wore glasses. None of them looked like me. None of them had cellulite or stretch marks. And those magazines are just one example of diet culture. They were pages and pages of pure diet culture. Between the 1200 calorie diet plans, the makeup and hair ads, photo shoots of perfect models and their perfect boyfriends, there were product placements for products and programs to make you look more like the girls in the magazines. And I'm sure that for many of us, that was one of the many things that led into our insecurities and belief of what we should look like in order to accept ourselves. And 
I also remember the YoPlay yogurt commercials. So if you're from the States, you remember these commercials probably like trying to convince you that yogurt, like non-fat yogurt tasted just like key lime pie. There were crazy diets, especially in like the 90s, early 2000s. Actually, now there still are crazy diets, but they just like, like cover them up pretending that they're under the guise of health, but they're not still the same crazy shit. Cabbage soup diet, cayenne pepper, maple syrup diet. Oprah, who's like the most well-known figure, losing and gaining and losing and gaining the same weight over and over again. And that was such a big part of the headlines. And so all of this that we feel, this pressure, you know, the pressure to feel, to like fit back into our old clothing, the rush to get your body back after you have a kid, you know, the, the, the hesitance to date or put yourself on dating apps until you lose a certain amount of weight, feeling like you can't or you don't want to take photos with your friends because you don't like how you look or this feeling, especially, you know, I felt this where, you know, eating a lot isn't feminine. I'm not supposed to eat more than my partner or as much as my partner. And all of these beliefs, all of this pressure is driven by diet culture and the thin ideal. And I just heard a recent definition of health that I really loved. And it was health defined as the life that you're living when you're in alignment with your values. But first, in order to do that, we have to untangle what we value from what we're being told we should value. And I want to be clear that if you live in Western culture, it is going to be close to impossible to avoid diet culture exposure. If you want to live a fairly normal life that includes media, music, any form of pop culture, you're going to be exposed to it. And so the question is not how do we avoid diet culture altogether? It's how can we identify it? How can we call it out? And how can we choose how we interact with diet culture and how we um how we sort of uh, take on these concepts that leave us feeling like we're never enough. And so we're going to go through a journey to understand what diet culture is, how to identify it, and how to develop your own beliefs about your body and your health. And so here's a disclaimer, because I believe that true health does not have a specific look, but I also believe that it is your right as the owner and user of your body to decide what you want to do with your body. If you, des you deserve to have the tools to make decisions about what you do with your body yourself without guilt, shame, or external pressure. It is your body, not mine. And this is why when I work with clients, we focus on health first. And that health includes physical health, mental well-being, and solid social connections. And this is also why my entire Confident Eater program is dedicated to helping you improve your relationship with food, helping you deepen your understanding of yourself and break out of restrictive patterns with food and your body so that you can make decisions that align with who you are as a person, not just those pressures to look a certain way. So let's start with definitions. Definitions, diet culture, what the heck is it? It is an overarching set of beliefs and practices that prioritize thinness and appearance over true health and wellness. And we're going to talk about some sneaky diet culture examples later, but this is so confusing because we now have quote unquote wellness culture, which is like very thinly veiled diet culture, but it makes us feel like we're doing something that's like along the lines of wellness. Very confusing. And then we have the thin ideal. And this is our cultural belief that thinness is the ideal body shape and size. And we internalize this so much where it's like, it's almost challenging for us to see someone in a, a body that looks different than that ideal and be like, wow, that's beautiful, right? Because we've internalized this for so long. 
And it, the thin ideal dictates that thinness is necessary for health, beauty, and success. And it's perpetuated a lot through media and advertising, which will feature models, celebrities, individuals that fit into this body standard and show them as being like happy, healthy, successful. And a lot of us feel, you know, we, there was some backlash. There was a Vogue cover that showed some individuals in larger bodies and them, you know, like workout clothing and talked about them being beautiful. And people were really pissed off about it. And that's just an example that like, we have so internalized a thin ideal that it's almost hard for us to believe that you can be healthy, beautiful, and successful if you are in a larger body or if you're in a body that doesn't align with that thin ideal. And then the third definition is a concept called self-objectification. And this is a process by which we come to view our bodies as objects to be evaluated and judged based on appearance. And so when we practice self-objectification, we end up preoccupied with our physical appearance and we have a focus on maintaining an idealized body shape and size. And so we have three important concepts here. Diet culture, which includes the over $4 trillion, that is a trillion, I don't even know how many zeros that is. So $4 trillion beauty diet and quote unquote wellness industry. The thin ideal, which is a beauty standard, which is essentially completely unrealistic for 99.9% .9 of us and a process of self-objectification that drives us to continue to judge and compare and evaluate our bodies based on appearance. And so to kind of change the tack a little bit, I want to ask you something important. <coughs> Excuse me. What actually makes you, you? Is it your appearance, your sense of humor, your friendships, your career, your education, your morals, your family? And honestly, I hope that what makes you, you is a combination of various factors and that there is a balance between those factors. Because if your entire self-worth is based on your career, for example, or your appearance, like what happens if you lose those things or those things change? Then that's where we really struggle with mental well-being. We really struggle with self-worth. And so intentionally working to balance out, like these are all of the things that I am, how do I really lean into that can be so helpful in starting to lower the importance on our appearance as being the thing that's going to make us happy, healthy, and successful. And so evaluating ourselves and what our bodies look like and the continual pursuit of thinness leads to like chronic dieting, disordered eating habits, body dissatisfaction, self-criticism, fear of food, and a list of other issues, even some really potentially very serious issues like clinically diagnosed eating disorders or anorexia, bulimia, orthorexia, which is the a disorder around like over, like oh, being overly obsessive with healthy eating is one of the newer clinical eating disorders and binge eating disorder, which also is fairly common. And here's the thing is that diet culture offers an open door to walk towards disordered eating behaviors and an overvaluation of appearance. And diet culture celebrates behaviors that are actually really damaging to our well-being. And so for me, for example, my sort of foot in the door of diet culture started out with a sugar detox. It was like a $30, 21-day sugar detox. And I went into it sort of not necessarily wanting to lose weight, but I kind of just wanted to challenge myself to like eat less sugar. And as I said, it was my foot in the door. As I saw that being very strict with my nutrition led to my body changing and the positive comments that went along with that, I started walking farther down the path of learning how to manipulate food in order to change my body. 
And so that initial, you know, door, like walk into that door led me down a road where I ended up being scared of gluten, scared of quote unquote, white carbs and sugar for over half a decade and continuing for almost 10 years to search for a, some sort of like quote unquote fix to my body, which brings us to the question, is our body really a problem or are we being sold so many solutions that we start to think that our body is a problem? And the response to diet culture has been a rise in anti-diet culture. And these are really just two ends of a spectrum, right? And often we kind of need to swing towards one end in order to find the middle. But personally, I don't think that anti-diet is the answer either, because then we end up shaming individuals for buying into something that is like a huge part of our culture. And I don't think shame is the answer. I also don't think that all intentional fat loss is harmful. And I don't think that you are wrong or should feel ashamed for wanting to change your body. But I am anti-diet in the sense of the word diet as a restrictive behavior and a sort of very black or white um, damaging approach to your physical body and your mind. And I do believe that you are master and owner of your body. And if you choose to pursue physique changes, that's your decision. But it's really important to look at how we are approaching these changes and why we are approaching these changes. So do you want to change your body because you need to change your body in order to feel more confident? And if so, what's the real reason that you cannot feel confident in the body you have right now? And this is where, and we talk about this a lot in the Confident Eater, which is my group program. We talk about how like building confidence comes through actions and comes through feeling like you are aligned with your values and that you trust in your decision-making skills. And so we can sort of untangle this, like maybe you will feel more confident when your body is smaller, but is that a result of the behaviors that you're doing or is that result of the small body? And that's maybe another podcast for another time. But the question is, how do you know if you want to change your body as a pursuit of the thin ideal? And the answer here is, are you aiming to mold your appearance because you believe it's going to lead to a happier and more successful life? If you think that when I lose weight, then these problems in my life will be fixed, life will be better, then you're probably buying into this diet culture ideal, this thin ideal, you're practicing self-objectification, and it isn't going to lead to the result that you think it is. And this is where we want to understand, again, core values. And I talk about this all the time because this is sort of understanding what are the principles that really lead me towards feeling like I am fulfilled, like I have direction. We'll talk about this a little bit later about how you can do that. And I want to touch on how do you know what's diet culture and what's not diet culture? Because diet culture can be sneaky as fuck. And a very clear example of diet culture, things that you're like, well, duh, are like fat burner supplements, the Kardashians selling, selling skinny teas, any type of like body transformation photo, um, you know, cellulite cream, stretch mark treatments, diet culture. Cool. And funny thing is, did you know that cellulite wasn't a problem? Cellulite was just like normal until the beauty industry was like, ooh, we can make money off of making people believe that this is a problem. And then there's not so clear examples of diet culture. There's ones that are a little bit like, hmm, I'm not sure. Clean eating, for example. It seems like clean eating, you're like, ooh, that's health focused. You know, the goal is like eat foods that are minimally processed, whole foods, quote unquote clean. But like clean doesn't have a definition. Clean is, you know, I can put a clean label on a thing of salad dressing or on a protein powder and all of a sudden it becomes a product that I can sell to you. 
And when we ask ourselves what the underlying goal of clean eating is, it is the intention of controlling your body. It's the intention of selling products, the intention of selling a lifestyle. It's so marketable. Look at who tends to promote clean eating. It is usually a thin, often white, fairly well-off individual. It's essentially like selling the whole foods diet, like, like whole foods as in the grocery store. And that's expensive, right? It's an industry. Intermittent fasting is another example. And oh, I just want to make a point. This doesn't mean that I believe that you shouldn't be eating like food. You shouldn't be eating, you know, fruits and vegetables. I, of course I do. But when we look at it packaged in this way, that's when it becomes more of like a diet culture thing. And intermittent fasting is another great example because fasting does have some research behind it to, uh, to show potential health effects, depending on the population, depending on how it's used. Uh, and it can be an approach to fat loss. However, choosing to eat breakfast because you just don't feel like it is not the same thing as deciding not to eat breakfast because it then cuts down your calories for the day and hopefully helps you go towards fat loss. And often intermittent fasting is sold as a solution that's packaged like intermittent fasting for your body type, intermittent fasting for, you know, this XYZ, or you're, it's being sold to you by an influencer who is somehow benefiting off of you buying into this concept. And this is not to mention that it often leads to a lot of like yo-yo dieting because intermittent fasting is not the right approach for many people. And I also want to be clear that there's a difference between choosing to buy a protein powder because you like the taste. That's not buying into diet culture. You find one, like, I really like how this tastes. Cool. Awesome. But choosing to buy a protein powder because it's marketed as diet, macro-friendly, or skinny, that is diet culture. And the less you like your body, the more likely you are to spend money to fix it. And the industry knows this. But unlike a true wellness practice like signing up for therapy, the money that you spend in this industry isn't necessarily an investment in your well-being. It's an investment in your continued participation in this pursuit of the thin ideal. And some insight as a coach, some insight into how we are marketed to as coaches. So as a nutrition coach, as a health coach, we are often given advice to sell to your pain points, to sell to like, you will be happier, you will be prettier, you will feel so much better when your body changes. And often those pain points are somehow linking back to your life will be better when your body looks different. And this is challenging because as a coach, I can choose to sell to, to show transformation photos of my clients' bodies, and I would probably have a lot more interest in my coaching. However, that doesn't align with my values and my business values. And so for me, selling someone a transformation that they get a transformation photo out of and then six months down the road, they're they are continuing on this like sort of path towards more disordered eating habits. That's not how I want to live my life, even if maybe I make less money doing it. And I think this is really challenging for coaches because it's like, how do we approach our marketing when we're not selling this visible transformation? And whether you are a coach or whether you are just an individual that's like, I'm listening to this podcast right now. Here's a filter to help you identify if you're not sure if diet, if something is diet culture or not. Ask yourself, am I being sold or showed something with the intention of making me feel like my body is not good enough? Does this product, this post, this show, this message contribute to a feeling that in order to be better, I have to look different? 
And if the answer is yes, I think you know where I'm going with this. Cool. We have an understanding of what constitutes diet culture, but let's talk a little bit about why the pursuit of the thin ideal is so problematic and how self-objectification affects our well-being. And so most of us have internalized the thin ideal. Most of us have had some sort of pursuit of this at some point or continually in our lives. And a lot of it is even generational. Our moms were probably, I mean, I know my mom, I, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I went to Weight Watchers meetings with her when I was like four years old. Uh, my grandmother who died at the age of 91 was dieting for most of her life. And she would constantly point out and criticize people in larger bodies on TV, out in the street. And she saw it as like a moral failing. So a lot of this stuff is not just like media that we've consumed, but it's also stuff that's been like ingrained into our families. And just in daily life, like we didn't go into stores and see diversely bodied mannequins wearing the jeans that everybody wanted. We didn't see happy, popular characters in different size bodies on television. And we were often praised for fat loss and condemned for weight gain. And I want you to think about friends. So friends is like obviously a cultural phenomenon. And when you look at the character of Monica, so Monica, when she was younger, she, they called her fat Monica and she was, they put her in a fat suit and she was fat Monica and fat Monica was this character that was considered to be like embarrassing. She got made fun of all the time. She was sloppy. She was considered unattractive and she had a crush on Chandler, but Chandler didn't pay attention to her. She Chandler didn't find her attractive until she was thin Monica. And imagine how different it would feel if we had grown up seeing all types of bodies on TV and in movies, not just like one skinny body. And imagine how much less shame we might feel when our bodies look different if we had seen a diverse range of bodies like in all of the media that we consumed. And so, yes, now we're seeing a shift. We're seeing more real unfiltered images on social media. And there are influencers that are wearing bikinis and workout clothes and these incredible outfits that represent a realistic range of bodies. But for many of us, it's challenging to see that range of bodies as acceptable or beautiful. And I've, I've had this conversation with clients where, you know, we'll, we'll talk about um, starting to intentionally follow more diverse bodies on Instagram. And they, it's really challenging for them to see that as beautiful. And that's because we still are stuck in self-objectification mode. We have learned to define our value based on what our bodies look like compared to an unrealistic standard. And that's such a mind fuck because we're convincing ourselves that our value is in our appearance and our weight, and it goes up or down depending on those things. And in practice, self-objectification can look like, you know, maybe you're proud of yourself, praising yourself for fat loss or refusing to date until you lose weight. Maybe you only dress up or put on nice clothing when your body is a certain size. You only show up in photos when you look a certain way. And you practice self-objectification when you're preoccupied or fixated on changing your body in the pursuit of better. And I want to change, I want to share a little bit of research on how these concepts affect us. And before I want you to consider this thing, these, these two questions. Do you think that you still would have tried these like crazy diet plans, you know, 30-day shreds? Do you think you still would have aimed to eat 1200 calories? Do you think you still would have developed the fear of carbs without the thin ideal or diet culture telling you that your body should look a certain way? Would you still step on the scale every day and freak out over what you see if your worth was not dependent on your body size? And some research findings show that restrictive dieting approaches often lead to weight cycling, which is where your body weight kind of fluctuates up and down and up and down. 
um, can lead to negative health, health outcomes, such as increased risk for chronic diseases, disordered eating, and body dissatisfaction. And often this is just like the yo-yo or on and off dieting pattern. And it's become so normalized, but it can be so detrimental to our health. For example, in the case of my grandmother, who was dieting for most of her life, she ended up with osteoporosis, bone density issues. Um, it, it, you know, obviously she's not a research finding, but anecdotally, like that can be really challenging for our bodies later in life. And diet culture leads us to believe that it is fat. So it is the actual adipose tissue that causes negative health outcomes. But research has not shown that fat itself is a direct cause for negative health outcomes. Negative health outcomes such as chronic disease, diabetes, things like that, may, uh, mortality may be correlated to higher levels of body fat because higher levels of body fat may be attributed to and are and can be correlated with low levels of physical activity, quality and quantity of food choices, stress levels, and lifestyle. And so this, this means that having extra body fat is not necessarily in itself unhealthy. There may be certain behaviors that individuals participate in or don't participate in that may lead to higher levels of body fat. And those behaviors themselves may lead to health issues with health outcomes. But diet culture has led us to believe that it's being fat is the health problem itself. And a meta-analysis in 2014 found that internalizing the thin ideal is associated with negative body image and disordered eating behaviors, even potentially leading to eating disorders, including binge eating and purging. And the study also found that individuals who reject the thin ideal have better body image and are less likely to engage in these disordered eating behaviors. And here's the really cool part of all of this is it will take time, it will take intentionality, it will take practice, but you can start to call these things out in yourself. You can start to call out your thoughts and your behaviors and say, wait, am I self-objectifying right now? Am I buying into the thin ideal? You can look at social media or media in general, and you can identify this is a diet culture narrative, and you can choose whether you buy in or not. And this doesn't mean that you can never try to change your body again. And that's because there's a big difference between trying to change your body because you'll never be good enough unless you do and trying to change your body because you're like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm cool, but you know, maybe I'd like to see a bit more muscle or maybe I'd like to put a little bit more structure around my eating habits. And the goal is not to not give a shit what you look like. The goal is not to be like, I don't give a fuck what I look like. That's not the goal. We live in our bodies and caring about your appearance is normal. But when your appearance becomes a thing that you depend on for self-confidence and self-worth, that's where the problem starts. And you can choose to eat chicken and broccoli because chicken and broccoli can be tasty and nutritious. Or you can choose to eat chicken and broccoli because that's quote unquote what you should eat to achieve a certain type of body. You can choose to lift weights because you'd like to build muscle and improve your bone density and longevity. Or you can choose to lift weights because I have to sculpt my body, right? Those are very different things. And I wanna hop into actionable tips for how you can start to identify call out and filter your engagement with diet culture and the thin ideal. And you're, <laughs> if you listen to my podcast, you're going to laugh at me when I say this because I say it every time. And that's because it's so important. Get clear on your core values. Diet culture tells us that we should value appearance, but is that what you actually value? 
what are the, the principles by which you would like to live your life? What are the things that you want people to remember you for? And your actions, your current actions might show you, hey, I'm currently doing things that show me that I really value my appearance. But you get to ask yourself, is that truly how I want to live my life? And you can use your values to then guide your actions of efforts and attention. And this is why at the beginning of The Confident Eater, we do so much work around core values and developing skills to help you make more decisions that align you with that person that you want to be. And the next step to this is getting curious about the actions you take and the thoughts that you have around food in your body. Why do you think your thighs are too big? Why is it only okay to eat whole grain bread, but not regular bread? Why do you struggle to resist temptation? Could all of these things maybe be effects of internalized diet culture? Then you can circle back to your values. What thoughts about my thighs align with my values? Let's say you value adventure. Maybe a thought about your thighs that aligns with your values is my thigh, my powerful thighs help me power up mountains when I go hiking, right? Like if my thighs weren't so big, I wouldn't be so strong. And how can you align your values with letting yourself choose what type of bread you want to eat or reducing your fear of certain foods? Well, you might say freedom is really important to me. And so practicing freedom around the foods that I eat can allow me to make choices. And learning how to do that, again, big part of group coaching. And I'm working with coaches now to help them include that in their coaching programs. So if you're an individual that wants to learn more about The Confident Eater, you can do that in the show notes. If you're a coach that wants to learn more about how to coach your clients around this stuff, send me a DM on Instagram, which you can, again, you can find that link in the show notes as well. So three more actionable tips. Curate your social media consumption. So the cool thing about social media is we can sort of influence what we consume. It's not just like, we just get stuff thrown at us. Unfortunately, sometimes like if I watch a video on TikTok about like a diet, like a diet recipe, then I'm going to get shown more diet recipes. However, my Instagram explore page, for example, my Instagram explore page used to be pretty much solely like women sharing what they ate in a day and like, like super fit CrossFit people. And at one point I was like, you know what? I don't want to consume this. And so I went to some dog accounts and just started liking puppy photos. And now my explore page is like 90% puppy photos. And I've also unfollowed a lot of accounts that I'm like, this doesn't align with the type of content I want to consume and intentionally started following accounts that show more, more diverse bodies and a more flexible approach to nutrition. And so if you are only or mainly following sort of like quote unquote fitspo or like skinny rich, perfect people, start incorporating more diversity, different sizes, shapes, colors, abilities, ages. And if you need help finding some of these individuals or some of these, these profiles, DM me on Instagram, happy to send over some recommendations. The next actionable tip is to start to see how you can bring these struggles and these challenges to light. And so this is where starting to open up conversations with people in your life can be really helpful. And I know sometimes this feels really challenging. And this is where coaching or joining a group like The Confident Eater can be really helpful because you can talk about these things in like a safe space and you don't have to worry or feel like overly vulnerable with people that you're not sure how they're going to receive it. Like we have these conversations in The Confident Eater group where people are like, oh my gosh, it feels so good to be able to share like how I feel about my body and know that like other people feel similarly. And I once had a client who told me, she, she was like, no one else in my life has these struggles with their body and they all have their diets way under control. But then she proceeded to tell me about a good friend of hers who compulsively exercises because she's scared of weight gain. 
another friend who refuses to eat sugar or carbohydrates. And she told me about her aunt who would pretend to eat in public and then in private would just like continually skip meals. And so chances are you also have people in your life who have internalized the thin ideal and struggle with identifying like, is this diet culture? Is this me? And it can be really cool to start to open up those conversations. Again, you don't need to do this in your like in-person social circle. You can do this online. You can do this in coaching. And the truth is, is that the more that we can start to bring shame and struggle to the forefront, the more common humanity we can build because we see that so many of us are challenged by the same things. And then the last tip is to call out your own diet culture thoughts and beliefs. We cannot change what we aren't aware of. And so developing awareness around your values and how you'd like to make decisions about your body and your life is really, really helpful because you can notice, ooh, this decision is driven by like self-objectification. This decision is driven by my values. You can start to identify that. And you can start to call out like, oh, that decision that I made or that action that I take is actually driven by the thin ideal. And you can ask yourself when you're consuming content or having thoughts about your body, who will benefit from me buying into this? And so, for example, like, you know, seeing someone wearing a bikini and you're like, oh gosh, I can't wear that until I lose weight. Like who's benefiting from that belief? Like you're not benefiting from it. Like any, any body, any, literally any body can wear a bikini if they choose to. And I've seen a variety of different bodies in, you know, you go to the beach and you see so many different bodies and so many different bodies wearing bikinis and one pieces and, and it, 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 there's nothing that actually holds you back from doing it, except for the belief that it's not okay. And I'll leave you with this. Diet culture doesn't care about your health. It cares about control, power, and money. And when we, when we decide that we want to start filtering these things and engaging with it in a different way, we get to take back control, back, we get to take back our power, and we get to take back decisions around our bodies. And this is a practice that I try to embody as much as I can in my own life and in my coaching. If you are a coach who wants to learn how to incorporate the concepts I share on the podcast and in my coaching with your clients, I've just opened up a beta program for coaches who want to incorporate body image, mindfulness, mindful eating, and values-based decision-making into their coaching practices. And often, I want to let you know that often coaches are, we are the ones that really struggle with internalizing these things. And it's, it's important for us to be really careful about how we communicate them to our clients, because we can often communicate our biases and our own challenges with diet culture because we're not fully aware of how it's affecting us. And so it's been really cool for me to start to work with some coaches on this because it's something that I had to overcome myself, uh, understanding my own biases and my own beliefs and really unpacking those. And so if you are a coach who, you know, maybe you're struggling with your relationship with food, or maybe you just like some more tools for your clients, um, reach out to me and let's chat about it. With that, thank you so much for listening. I hope that the audio was decent on this second take of this podcast episode. Thanks for bearing with me. Um, I, yeah, this was a fun episode. Fun. I use fun in a weird way. This was an interesting episode for me to, uh, to research and write. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a rating and or a review. Um, that's so helpful. Anybody that has given me feedback, I so appreciate it. And I welcome feedback. I welcome conversations and, and debates over these concepts. I love having these discussions. And I hope that wherever you are and whatever you're doing, you're having a lovely, lovely day.